During the pandemic, I often joke that one of the reasons why Finland dealt with the crisis so well was that to Finns, social distancing comes quite naturally. People here don't hug or kiss each other as much as in other cultures. You also shouldn't be standing too close when talking to a Finn. This was one of the first things that I learned in a Finnish language class for foreigners. And in some areas, as we learned from author Juhani Karila in one of our earliest episodes when he discussed his childhood in the Finnish Lapland, even the relationship between parents and children doesn't involve much physical contact. To many of our listeners abroad, this might seem a bit cold. How about romance then, they would ask. How do you do it the Finnish way? This is Literature from Finland podcast. I'm Urte from Helsinki Literary Agency. And all of my questions today will be answered by the expert of the Finnish romance, Nina Mero, the author of best-selling romance novels, who is also currently writing her PhD on romance literature in Finland. Nina, welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so excited about this episode. I think we're going to have a lot of fun. Thank you for inviting me. So, first of all, tell me about the situation of commercial fiction and romance literature in Finland. I've always had this impression that Finland is a very literary country, in a sense that Finnish authors publish a lot of quite challenging, uh, structurally and thematically difficult books every year, and that those books can also become bestsellers and prize winners. So do Finns read, and more importantly, do Finns write commercial romance? How how old is the history of Finnish commercial romance? That's that's a good question because I think that there's an interesting imbalance in the field. There's a lot of readers who would like to read romance fiction, but the supply isn't that great. And I know that publishing houses would like to publish more Finnish contemporary romance fiction, but there isn't that much supply. So I don't know why the writers haven't taken it on more. Right. Right. Yeah, and this actually brings us to a very interesting question, and I think it partly answers your your uh, question. It's because Finland is such a literary country. I feel there is a kind of stigma about romance literature. Perhaps this is not only a case in Finland, but I feel that here we think that there is a certain type of a person who reads romance novels and that it is almost a bit embarrassing to be reading them because they're not as serious, they are perhaps more superficial, they always offer this like perfect scenario and perfect happy ending. It is sort of considered lower class in the hierarchy of literary genres. So would you say that this is the case and is romance literature a bit stigmatized here in Finland? Yeah, I think it is. That's very true. The the stigma is still there after all these years. Romance is still viewed as as fluffy or non-substantial and lower in a way than uh, literary fiction in many ways. And Personally, I'm horrified that any form of literature is referred to as trash or garbage. And that's how we talk about romance fiction. Mm. We talk about trashy novels often, and that's really horrible (laughs) to me. Yeah. And uh, I think that uh, commercial fiction is often seen as the fast food of literature in a way. 
but this shouldn't be the case and doesn't have to be the case because uh, a lot depends on the way you read it. And uh, these books, they do have substance and it's the way you read them and you can read them slower and involve yourself more in the themes of the books or you can just uh, go through the plot and find out how the two people find each other and their happy ending. But if you take more time with romance fiction, you can find more substance in the books. Yeah. But also, do you think that it has changed this kind of uh, view uh, about romance literature? Has it? Uh, is it better nowadays than it, let's say, 15 years ago? Is there like sort of more, uh, more positive um, <laughs> view towards romance literature? There has been some evolution in that, but I still hear from my friends that they're still embarrassed to read romance fiction and that they still hide their romance books in, in libraries and stuff. So um, there's still a lot of work to be right. done. <laughs> right. But I also, I've also been thinking whether it actually is a bad thing that romance doesn't deal with all these serious topics and you know current societal and political issues. Why is romance this one genre that we feel we need to justify somehow. Mm-hmm. I uh, Personally, I think that this is because of the uh, the opium for the masses thesis, where you think that something that is widely read is uh, it corrupts people. So exactly. uh, uh, yeah. there's a lot of uh, moralistic agenda in the way that romance fiction has been criticized. And uh, uh, literary critics often look at it as uh, a kind of a normative thing, as if romance fiction was something that would reflect a perfect relationship, when in fact it's about the fantasy, so it doesn't really have much to do with real-life relationships. Exactly. So do you think that romance has to be believable? Um, not as such, no. Uh, as I said, it's about the fantasy, and... Uh, It's not about wishing you could experience the story in real life. But yeah. but I think that romance has to be true and it has to be authentic yeah. and it has to come from the heart. Yeah, but also have a happy ending. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Your 2019 bestseller, The Death of Romance, was marketed as romantic entertainment for those who dread romantic entertaining. I personally always describe it as a Finnish gothic version of Bridget Jones. Its main character is Nora, uh, a young, very tattooed woman who herself claims to dread everything that's rosy and romantic. But Nora unexpectedly learns that her half-sister is getting married to this rich, noble English gentleman, and she is forced to travel there for the wedding. While she's not amused by the idea that she will have to be a part of all the excitement and pomp and organizations, uh, she soon finds herself not only charmed by some very charming gentlemen, but also deeper and deeper entangled in her brother-in-law's family secrets. Why is this a book for those who dread romantic entertainment? What elements of it will make readers convert? (laughs) Uh, I guess I'm a bit of a convert myself. I actually hate all things chiclet and that kind of uh, superficial romance fiction. But I have read romance a long time and uh, I don't know. Uh, I find something 
deeper, some deeper meaning in relationships and uh, the quest for love. And uh, I think that has somehow transferred into that book as well. And um, when I was writing the book, that was my first novel, so I wasn't sure if I was ever going to get another book published. So I put everything I love into this one. And the art and the poetry and the music, everything is really important to me personally. And I think that that also reflects in the book. Absolutely, absolutely. It works because I am a person who dreads romantic entertainment and I absolutely loved it. There are so many things to love about about the novel. There is, of course, this, uh, you know, all kinds of romantic relationships and triangles Uh, but there is also a lot of humor because Nora is this uh, very curious but also a bit clumsy character who always ends up in very (laughs) awkward situations there is this family mystery that makes it kind of a page turner and a bit of a thriller in a way and uh, there are beautiful surroundings of, of Oxford and this sort of dream scenery and presence of English romantic poetry and poets and also I love that Nora uh, the main character she also even though she throughout the book claims and expresses her aversion to everything romantic Eventually, she kind of realizes that she might be even more romantic person than anybody else. Deep down, she just expresses it in a different way. So there are just a lot of a lot of elements to love about the novel. The new novel, English language name still undetermined but translated from Finnish would be The Hero of Romance, uh, which has just been published in Finland, has a bit of a new edge to it. The story is told from the perspective of a man. Tell us a little bit more about the book, what's in it and why did you choose to tell the story in such a way? Well, uh, it wasn't a choice, really. (laughs) I mean, this is one of the wonders of being a writer. You don't really get to make that many conscious choices in the process. Uh, Ben, the uh, the main protagonist, the hero, he just began talking inside my head. And uh, I just couldn't make him go away. And when I started writing down his war stories, the story began to unravel bit by bit. And uh, the more I did research and read memoirs of special forces, soldiers and so on, the more he had to say. So that's kind of how that came to be. Why do you think a a man uh, narrator would appeal to a romance novel's readership, who is primarily, as I understand, women? Yeah. Why would it appeal to them? Well, uh, personally, I've always found the hero more interesting than the heroine in romances. I don't know why that is, but uh, think about it. Wuthering Heights, there's Heathcliff. Who yeah. cares about Kathy? <laughs> <I mean, laughs> and 
other romances as well. It's always the hero that draws the interest. Mm. So to me, that was interesting. And I wanted to get inside that character and know more about that and the hero's perspective. Yeah, yeah maybe because they always are left a little bit mysterious. Like not everything is said about them. Maybe that's why yeah. they're kind of drawing the attention. Yeah. And uh, one point is also that... Uh, Some critics have thought that female readers want to uh, identify with the heroine and kind of place mm. themselves into that position. But I think it's more about falling in love with the hero. <laughs> and when you find out more about the hero, you of course, easier. it's easier to fall in love with him as well. That's so true. That's so true. And it's it works. Uh, I just kind of remember the your previous novel the death of romance like this uh this guy who it turns out in the end to be a bad guy like you really you really get into the character you really hate him for, for everything he's done so the same applies to the hero like when the hero is a good guy you really kind of fall in love and really root for them to get together it's it's really yeah. it's really fun to read and something for me i have to confess like completely new experience as i said like i never read romance novels and it's just uh, it can be so entertaining and so somehow i don't know just a very good pastime yeah yeah, yeah. and there's an, an element of escapism mm, as absolutely well in there you get a break from your ordinary life and dive yeah. into the world of the book absolutely absolutely and it's probably you know when you take into consideration of what's going on in the world right now we're all kind of looking for that and just just that the world would give us a break and literature would give us a break so <laughs> these novels are really welcome and and it's it's so well written i think it's it's just something that also is very important you know you have to no matter what genre it, it is you have to have a good writing and when it's a good writing then it's just uh, appeals to to the readers and the proof of it being that it's it is a bestseller in finland and and sold already to four language territories so kind of nice um i guess as as all literature romance genre has also evolved in a sense that it now involves a more colorful variety of characters. Does it pose more demands for the romance authors? Uh, are there themes that they just have to include in their books for them to become bestsellers? Hmm. Well, uh, I don't know if I'd call them demands, but uh, I think that readers, they seem to like books with versatile <laughs> characters and there's a lot of gay and lesbian romances that are also very popular and uh, funnily enough gay romance is also marketed towards women so <laughs> <laughs> women readers yeah. are also interested in gay romances and uh, while the uh, the majority of romances is still very straight and very white there's a more differentiation yeah now yeah. and variation yeah When you mentioned that you yourself uh, always kind of hated all this chiclet and really all the romantic literature, I really want to ask why then you chose to write your PhD about romance literature? How did you come to that kind of decision in your life? Uh, the writing, the the fiction writing, that came first. Mm. And I don't think that I've ever, I would have never gone into literary studies if I wasn't writing Right. myself so uh, I did my master's thesis 
on writing romantic fiction. Okay. And I kind of broadened on that in my PhD work. Right. And uh, I don't know, uh, because I've written romance fiction for so long, I've written almost 10 years uh, yeah. uh, smaller novellas. And, uh, and because I've done it for so long and... No one seemed to take the genre seriously, <laughs> so I just thought that someone has to take on the <laughs> academic academic approach. Yeah. And, yeah, you have to be the torchbearer. It's <laughs> very true. Yeah. Um, so, is there something particularly exceptional about the Finnish romance if we compare it to such classics as Rosamund Pilcher or Nora Roberts or Daniel Steele? What are your personal favorites uh, of Finnish romance and what new can they bring to the international market of romance fiction? Mm. Well, it's uh, I think it's kind of sad, really, because I can only think of a few Finnish romance writers apart from myself. Uh, there's obviously Tuija Lehtinen, who is the, the queen of Finnish commercial romance fiction, But uh, I think that others like Enni Mustonen or Pirjo Tuominen, their work is more like historical fiction than actual romance fiction. And then, of course, there's a lot of cheek lit, but that's also different from yeah. romance fiction. So I really can't think of that many Finnish commercial romance writers. Yeah. And that's really sad because I think that uh, as Finns, we would have an advantage in writing <laughs> romance fiction because uh, I think that as people we Finns are easily embarrassed by anything too pink or too fluffy and <laughs> we tend to avoid formalities and superficial small talk and uh, in romance I think that we could use this in our advantage and write authentic honest romance and I think that that would resonate with a lot of people. Exactly that's such a good point and sort of kind of put everything that Finns are also kind of They don't really say much and don't express their feelings. So everything what's going on in their hearts, they could just like put in their in their romance novels. That's so true. But then are things romantic people in your opinion? Sure, sure <laughs> we are. Uh, I just don't think that it's the the hallmark kind of romance. Uh, we're very straightforward and and honest, so we don't do bouquets of roses or grand gestures. It's more a, a hand-picked flower or something like that. Yeah. Or, I don't know, chopping the firewood, heating up the sauna and fixing a creaking door. Yeah. So that kind of romantic gestures for us. Yeah, that's very true. I remember there was this documentary very famous documentary about sauna from 2010 and the very first scene in that documentary is this elderly couple uh, and they're just the man is washing a woman's back uh, for like several minutes and it's just silent and then the man says that I have been washing this back for 40 years and it's just <laughs> <laughs> stayed with me forever and it's probably the most romantic thing that uh, anyone can ever say to to anyone yes. so to finish with very uh literary uh, and fun questions who is your current literary crush uh i'll have to say silvia hosseini okay. i'm in love with her essays her her wit and her language okay. yes does amazing work and there's a wonderful union of highbrow and lowbrow in her work okay wow which author Alive or dead, you would invite for a romantic dinner. Uh, 
<laughs> this is a difficult one, but uh, I want to say John Keats, <laughs> but I'm afraid I might corrupt him in some inex- inexplicable way. <laughs> and, you know, destroy years of masterful writing in the process. <laughs> so uh, perhaps Lord Byron, he could always corrupt me. Okay, yeah, that's very good. Very good choice. What is the most romantic book in the history of time for you personally? Couldn't think of a more difficult question, Gucci. <laughs> uh, I don't want to say Wuthering Heights because that's a tragedy without the happy ending. And I don't dare mention The Notebook by Nicholas Sparks because <laughs> I really like it, but it's so sappy, so it's a bit embarrassing. <laughs> so uh, I'll choose a movie. I'll choose Only Lovers Left Alive with Tom Hiddleston and Tilda Swinton. And that's the the most beautiful love story I can think of. And the mood of the film is unique. And the characters are intriguing and human and inhuman at the same time. It's about life and humanity and and a glimpse of what love is. Thank you, Nina Mero. This was Literature from Finland, brought to you by Helsinki Literary Agency and hosted by me, Urte. Special thanks to Petri Latvala for the design and Alessandro Dana for the music and to all the colleagues at the agency. Tune in next month as we'll close our podcasting season with Harry Salminiemi and a lot of humor, absurdity and art. <laughs>